What it is, guys, your boy. I'm here with number seven, Alan Eisen, and today got the UEFA Champions League round of 16, the knockout stage, right? So, you know, obviously, I'm gonna do the games from this week, which is Tuesday and Wednesday, and then I'm gonna do next week's games. But that's next week. You feel me? So, this week, I'm gonna do the two games, the four games. That was this week with the preview at the end with the preview of next games and then i'm gonna do the review for those next week but let's start it off with the two tuesday games and then we're gonna go on to the two wednesday games so let's get it all right psg versus barcelona all right so barcelona they came into the game scoring five versus alaves all right while psg came in with the five game winning streak but they looked mediocre at best they were barely scraping by in league Un. <laughs> first few minutes you know they were figuring each other out getting comfortable then in the 27 minute barcel was awarded a penalty by De Jong foul i think it's very ridiculous that that was a foul it was atrocious to me kurzawa he looks like he didn't even touch De Jong from a certain angle. And then a certain angle, it looked like De Jong kind of uh, put his li lifted up his leg and it did co make contact with Kurzawa from another angle. And then, from, like I said in the beginning, another angle looked like it did not at all. To me, I'm going to say no, and I don't think it was not a penalty. I atrocious call for me. But doesn't matter because Messi slots it in and it's 1-0. Opens up the game, all right? And PSG, they start focusing more, all right? And it starts with the beauty of a long pass by Marquinhos, I believe. I believe it was Marquinhos, who passed it to Kurzawa. And then to Verratti, who did, you know, who one touches it, passes it to Mbappe, who does the rest. Bodies Langley, tricks him, and then does a two, like tricks him, does a two touch, and then it's a goal, one, one. I PSG, they keep attacking. They just keep attacking. And after, and after halftime, Florenzi, he crosses it into the Barca's box. Biquet taps it out, and Pop is in the right place, and it's 2-1. Five minutes later on a PSG free kick, it's too long to shoot, and Barca are defending, defending this uh, free kick horribly. They are napping. I could, you could literally tell from the play that uh, Lingale is telling Dijon and Alba who are behind them that... Moise Keen is right behind me. Watch out for him. I got Marquinhos. And it looks like they just straight up ignore him or they don't hear him. Or I don't know what's going on. That's why I'm saying miscommunication. Horrible defending. Alright, so Ken Keen is just left by himself by left by himself and he scores the header and it's 3-1. Barca becomes desperate. You know, Coleman is sending everyone in attack. PSG counter Dijon. On a PSG counter, my bad. On a PSG counter, the Jong is left playing center back, bro. How, how do you think it's gonna, gonna end up, right? Dracula holds onto the ball until the Jong comes off Mbappe, and then he passes it back to Mbappe, and the Frenchman slots it home for his hat trick for one. <sighs> what do I think of this game, right? Well, my analysis on this game, bro. Mbappe. It's just crazy, all right? The World Cup winner was the huge X factor. Not just in his goals, not just that he scored a hat trick, but his build-up play. He was very important in the build-up play. He was creating 
everything through the attacking side, mostly everything went through him, right? Man destroyed Serginho Despo. I feel bad for this guy. I feel bad for Serginho, man. He passed him like four times on four different dribbles, and I think out of 10 dribbles this whole game, Mbappe completed nine of them. Coleman, that's how bad Dest was against Mbappe, right? Coleman took him out in 71 because everything was going through his side. He plays right back. So everything was going through Barca's right side and uh, PSG's left side, which was Mbappe's. And I'm telling you, Mbappe was really just the X Factor. He destroyed everybody, mostly Sardinio Dest, and he gives his props. Pochettino signed, they lined up in a 4 2 3 1 an attack where Rotti could play freely. He played great, you know, he created a lot of stuff. Him and Mbappe were really the two main focus points in attacking. And in the 4 2 3 1, Pochettino had the double pivot in Gaia and Paredes. But he switched to a 4 4 2 without the ball when they were on defense. I guess, you know, they could defend better against Messi. I mean, that's like 4 4 2 is usually a great lineup for when you're playing defensively, and that's what they did. Icardi also like notably Icardi didn't get on the score sheet but he had a big influence on right? he was pulling defenders from Mbappe having some shooting chances he was making timely passes big big influence on the game right Coleman's squad on Barca's squad there were four they put up in a four four three three with Messi playing as a false nine has his uh like he usually does his free you know, in his position, he's free to play where he wants. I seen him, he was on the right side, on the left side. He was dropping down to where the CDMs were, going back to nine, going to an actual striker position, jumping down, going to camp. So, you know, he does, he moves freely. He, he does whatever he wants in this attacking world. So, but that was mostly what he was playing. He was listed as of nine, a striker, but it was mostly a false nine. Y'all know how the deal is. They had more possession, though, with 52.7%, but the midfield and the defense were shaky. And that was their downfall for Barca. Alright, let's see. Let's see what they go on the second leg. It's I don't know. I think Neymar is gonna play, but I mean that's not really 100 percent But let's see what's gonna happen. I mean, see, because I'm gonna do the next game and I'm gonna preview those games. So I'll like I really want to do the, I don't want really to do the previews on this one because it's gonna be until the next episode. Alright, so well let's see. Let's see. I don't think they're gonna come back, but let's see. Second game on Tuesday was Liverpool versus Leipzig, right? And it was neutral, neutral venue because, you know, right now England is having coronavirus strains and it's a whole bunch of deals. So I think it was played in Budapest, right? So neutral event, neutral event. But Liverpool came to the game losing three out of their last four games opposite for Leipzig where they were unbeaten in their last four. So you would think Leipzig with this momentum, with this winning streak would turn up, but they did not. Okay, after a goalless half, Sabitzer made an arrogant pass to Klosterman, who looked shocked. Okay, he looked shocked that he was going to receive this ball, and I guess he lost concentration. And that's when Mo Salah picks up the ball, runs with the ball, he runs down, and he scores 1-0. Five minutes later, Mukilevi makes a wrongly timed effort, the right back, for the ball in the air. Mane takes advantage one-on-one -on -one with the goalkeeper. And he, of course, he's not going to miss it, bro. The Senegalese, you think he's going to miss it? No, bro, it's 2-0. Alright. From this game, the errors of Leipzig's defense was the Achilles heel. That told, that's literally the both errors just what led to goal. And that's what opened up the game. 
the three at the back that Nogglesman lined up did not work. Okay, so I don't really know if he put with with his five in the midfield. I don't know if his wing backs of Angelino and I forgot the other fullback. Are they supposed to help? It looked like they're not supposed to help. They're mostly on the attacking side. I think he should probably put his wing backs back to help out his defense when he has a back three because they totally they were dysfunctional today. They went apart. All right, so I think he needs to put, fix that. But notably for uh, Klopp, the Klopp, he set up in his usual 4-3-3, you know, took advantage of that, especially of that two Africans of the front three. I, I mean, that's not what I'm supposed to say. The two Africans, right, which is Mo Salah and my boy Sadio Mane, the front three, they took advantage of the defense of Leipzig being atrocious today. All right, I'm telling you, both of them had the goals. And they both took advantages of those errors. But notably, the center-back partnership of Henderson and the January signing of Ozan Kabak. And with Allison struggling recently, they kept a clean sheet. Alright, so that's pretty good. That's pretty good. When Okay, when you have a new defender who just got signed in January. And you got Jordan Henderson, who is a midfielder, who's playing center-back. And then you have Allison Becker, who's been struggling these few games. Literally, last game versus Leicester, uh, you seen on the was it the second goal where Kabak uh, was gonna go for the ball, but then Allison went for it, and there's literally no miscommunication right there, and that leads to a goal that did not happen this game. So it looks like they're filling each other out, which is a good sign and something positive that Klopp's taking out from this game, trying to put it into the Premier League. All right, let's see what that does. On Wednesday. First game was Porto versus Juve. At the first minute, literally, it was 1-0-0. Playing too much from the back, all right, in the box. They were, they were way too long in the box. Bentancur played a horrible pass to Chesney, bro. Where Taremi receives it, he receives the ball, and he hits it in. It's goal, 1-0. Killed the first half. Porto then became defensive, and the Bianconeri had no energy at all no energy at all 19 seconds in in the second half right that was the full that was the whole first half it was boring they had no energy everything 19 seconds into the second half juve is still napping but porto they're keep attacking all right they're building up play and on their build-up play they score a goal by marega okay pirlo makes some subs at the 63 i'm gonna talk about more about that later at the 63, uh, makes more subs in there in the game. At the 63 minute, El Tecatito, you know, Jesus Corona, he makes, he attempts a Chilena. It was pretty close, but I, you know, I add this in because if he made that, I think the game's out of reach. And I really think this is that's the nail in the coffin for uh, Juve. And that doesn't lead to the goal of Chiesa, which is when. Rabiot, he pass, he crosses it in, which is actually a pretty good cross. And that's when Kiesa slotted in and made it 2-1. Alright, so I think that's why I added that in there. Juve, after the goal, they couldn't get another one. But they came close in the end where Delict crossed it to Cristiano. And it was not ruled a penalty or a foul. I believe it was a foul because he made contact with him. But he made enough contact to where Cristiano fell. Did he exaggerate a little bit? Yes, but I mean, come on, he lost that penalty. And there was no penalty. So it was slid off 2-1. And now it's on to Turin.
Ren. Like I was talking about, back to what I was talking about, Pirlo. Pirlo has showed why me and other people were questioning his appointment when he barely got, when he first got appointed, and a few months ago when he first got appointed on the Juve job. Because he's making some questionable decisions, man. He subbed, he subbed off Weston McKenney instead of subbing off Adrian Raubel, who was literally getting beat in the whole midfield, right? He had nothing, man. It was too slow. He was, he was having horrible crosses, horrible passes. It just wasn't a good night for him. Ben Tanquer, who literally did the first error of the night, he was looking the same as Raubel. What you do is that you sub off McKenney, who was doing literally everything at that certain point until he subbed him off. He was, he was the one that had the most energy. He was playing, he was probably getting most balls on the defensive side, taken away from Porto, like not really involved in the attack, but he was still doing his thing. He took off him. Come on, Pirlo. This is what I'm saying. This is where the experience has to come in. Not, not even the experience. This is where just the knowledge. You see that the both those two midfielders are struggling. And you decide to take off the butt, the one that's playing the best. Like, come on, come on! But you know, that's just that's just him. But also, I think he deserves criticism when he took out Kulishevsky, and you know, put no, actually not really criticism on that, but when he put Ramsey, and that was actually a decent one. He deserves mostly criticism on where he subbed off. Uh, what's his name? He subbed off McKenny and put Morata. Now Morata putting him in was actually. A great sub because he did bring help energy and he created more chances and everything. But I don't think he should have took off McKenny. That's what I'm criticizing. He shouldn't have taken off McKenny, but he should have, should have taken off either Rabior or Ben Tancor and put Murata in there. That's what I'm saying. But he also deserves for when he put in Ramsey in them and he switched to a 4 4. When he switched that 4 4 2 to what's that? I don't even know what it was. Probably like 4 3 3. But he switched it to a front three. All right. And then put Ronnie on the left. And Kiesa on the right. And Morata, obviously, a striker. And that finally got into momentum. But it was late. All right, That's that's where he also deserves criticism. It's late. He does it later. He should have done it before. He should have done it on that right on the 63th minute is when he should have done it. All right, When he subbed off McKenny. When he shouldn't have done in the first place. That's that's the time he should have done it. He should have seen right from the beginning. Or after that second goal. Right right there is when you got to make the changes. But he did it very late. That's also, I think, that's just follows of experience. That's just not having the experience. But Porto, the midfield was great, led by Uribe, Mateus Uribe. I got to give him some credit because they were great defensively. But most of, the, most of the blame goes to Pirlo, in my opinion. Like, Pirlo was a great player, great player, obviously. But to get a job like uh, Juve on, like, actually your first managerial experience, I don't think it was great higher okay that's why you was proving my point that in the champions league it's a different animal right he's barely struggling in Serie A, and then now in the champions league but let's see man i like pirlo really i do there's no hate towards pirlo i literally love him as a player but as a manager he doesn't look great but let's go with the next game which is borussia dortmund versus sevilla right sevilla had it started they got the goal started with their home their home goal by suso Mahaland. Turned on his jets and he said that he got uh, motivation by Mbappe's hat trick. 
And then he got his three goal contributions. One of them was an assist to Mohamed Dahoud, who scored an outside-of-the-box banger. He also had a one-two-touch goal with Sancho. And he had a great run. Like, in a, like okay, it was like, Roy's got the ball. And then, you know, he had a great run. He had high IQ of running alongside him, juking, tricking the defender, running alongside him. And he, which led to his goal, assisted by Royce. But Luke De Jong, he scored at the near the end, making it interesting in the next leg for Dortmund. Right? Tersic, the Borussia Dortmund's coach. He had a 4-3-2-1. Holland was the lone striker, and that paid off definitely. Man dominated on all three goals. Like I said, he showed his intelligence. He showed his athletic ability, which was way too much for Jules Koundé, Sevilla, and Co. With Lopetegui's 4-3-3, I thought Papu Gomez and Rakitic would be more on the ball, but that did not happen. I do think they could turn around the second leg, though, as Borussia Dortmund, BBV, has shown their liabilities. But all of the game was Holland, all right? Three goal contributions, even when he's not scoring he's still assistant and he's still big part of that offense so holland bro my god this this man this is this, this norwegian it's crazy bro it's crazy but finish that off i'm gonna have my predictions for the first legs next week okay i'm not really getting into a review no preview announce and everything but i'm just thinking how like the what form they're going in and what just you know tim i can't think i really think it's gonna go in but to be honest, form doesn't really matter. Like that PSG and Barca, PSG and Barca game and Leipzig Liverpool game. Liverpool was coming off I don't know horrible plays, and then Leipzig was coming off winning streak, and then they met together and Liverpool won. So momentum kind of really doesn't matter. But you know, that's that's what I think. So Tuesday, Tuesday games next week. Some Atleti versus Chelsea. I think Atleti will win the first leg, two to one. Lazio versus Bayern. I think Bayern's going to win 3-0. Atalanta versus Real. I'm going to go against my, my Los Blancos, bro. I'm sorry, bro, but I think Atalanta. It's just, I don't know. Real Madrid, bro. We're weird right now. I wouldn't be surprised if we won because it's our competition, but I think Atalanta's actually going to beat us 3-2. And Borussia won Gombach versus Manchester City. Mar I would put a higher goal like, I'll put that Borussia would score more goals if Marcus Tram was playing, but he is not. He's injured. So, I'm going to go with Manchester City 4-1. And that's my prediction for those games. All right, guys. That was the end of the episode, bro. Watch out for the next episode. Just next week on the Champions League. And tell me what y'all think, though. I don't know. I really just... I, what I really came off from this... Champions League week was Pirlo. Right? That's the main thing that stood out to me. Like Pirlo, it's literally proved to me, proved me, it's proving me right right now. And where I think his appointment, his managerial appointment for the Champions League wasn't going to work out. I literally said that from the beginning months ago, and it's starting to look like that. But he could turn it around. But will he? I don't know. That's why we got to wait. We got to wait and see, guys. So I'll see y'all in the next episode. Peace.